weeks ago that we talked about the, the giftings of the Spirit. We talked about the fruit of the Spirit. We, we kind of broke some things down to you last week. We, we discussed some things on a personal level. So today we're going to kind of uh, wrap this up and uh, uh, we'll, be, we'll begin here as the body of Christ. There, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, 14, he said, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth, and you are the light of the world. And I say that to you right now. Nothing's changed. The Word of God is, is still in effect today. You are, the, you are the salt of the earth, and you are the light of the world. And, and, and these words are more than just indicators of your identity. And hear me. These are more speaking than just indicators of your identity. This is a requirement of your responsibility as Christians. You think my God has, has just called you to do nothing. You have heard incorrectly. So we can basically, some of you say, well, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a teacher, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a piano player, and I can, I can vouch for all those things on my side. But I'll tell you, I cannot get away from these two things. I am the salt of the earth, and I am the light of the world. Amen. Period. And if you're not that, then you're not born again to God. So let's just, don't, let's just quit playing games about it. You can be religious, and you can join a church, and you can do everything... But, but if we are not the salt of the earth, salt has everything to do with what we talked about in the scriptures, has everything to do with, with, with oh, like inspiration. We use the word influence, and the light of the world is illumination. So when you see the word salt and, and, and light, we are, our, our two priorities in this world is to influence people and inspire people and to illuminate their lives. And we've been called to do that. Now, I will tell you, there's a no saying that says this, that the darker the night, the lighter the bright shines. Well, I understand that. So this morning, just for a little bit, this is our occupation, is to be salt in life wherever we go. And you don't have to go to Bible seminary. You don't have to know any Greek or Hebrew. You can just be salt in life. You can influence people wherever you go, and you can illuminate wherever you go. So there are two areas for our occupation. Number one, Salt is where we get the word for G-E or gay, and it means earth. We are salt of the earth, gay. It means earth, terrain, land, dirt. One of our, our, one of our realms of occupation is that while we're here on earth, we should make a difference. We should influence you. We should inspire you. Matter of fact, the Greeks use this word as, as seasonings. The difference, they say, between a chef and a cook Chef is an expert on seasoning. I can cook a chicken. My wife can cook a chicken. My wife's chicken will taste a whole lot better than my chicken. I'll assure you. Because You don't know that, but I appreciate the confidence. <laughs> Robert's chicken is KFC. Keep from cooking. That's where he's at. <laughs> Salty the earth, it means we know exactly where spices go. We know where seasonings go. Matter of fact, some of the ladies here yesterday, for about four or five hours, they were cooking homemade tamales, and I'll tell you, God was in this place. But the second one is the word world, where we get a word for that's the spiritual side. We, we have a dichotomy of responsibilities. Number one, we have a responsibility to do what we can while we're here on this earth. But number two, while we're here, we have a responsibility to illuminate or where we get a word for cosmos. And cosmos is a word for adorning, decorating, renovation, 
redecorating where we get a word for cosmetics. Cosmetics is placed on an individual to not really to make them more beautiful, maybe is to enhance their facial features. Okay? So when you see the world, you're the lie of the world. He said, what's this? What you're doing is you're just illuminating the life of God and the life of Christ to wherever you may go, and by doing so, you are remodeling, renovating, adorning, redecorating, and even putting cosmetic on somebody's life that needs a little makeup here and there. Until somebody comes along and says, hey, you know what? I think you're losing weight. I, I think you are the greatest gift God has ever sent me, and automatically something happens. You kind of perk up, and, and what it is, it's illumination. The light of God is coming to you. The light has come. Let the glory of the Lord is risen, the Scripture says. So that's my responsibility. That's your responsibility. Amen. Is to wherever you go, influence someone in, in the likeness of Christ. And number two, for goodness sake, light them up. And I don't mean like light them up. I mean light them up. <laughs> Let the light in. Because I will tell you, as the Scripture says, John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38 said, We've heard this, but he said, out of your innermost beings, koilos, it shall flow. Not should flow, but shall flow. And if it's not flowing, he's not in you. He didn't say the Holy Spirit's in you. It should flow. Absolutely not. If he's in you, it's going to come out. And so I'm telling you, let the light out. If it, the light's in you, then let him out. Because we're a better people when the light of God is upon us. So, so the question at hand is that somebody asked, and we dealt with this a couple years, so... We have people in all types of backgrounds of churches. If this was just like a Baptist church or Presbyterian church or a vegetarian church, you know, we, we could just handle doctrine issues. We could just handle it. Assembly of God, all these things, we, because I was raised in that, and we, and we just had about five sermons that they preached, and then they expounded on those five sermons. But when you have a multicultural church, that's not so easy. You have to deal with stuff. It's like an like all-you-can-eat smorgasbord, and everything's there. So what happens when you come to church? I mean, you're programmed to hear just, and, and, and if you go to a, a specific church, I'll, I'll assure you they don't veer off very much of the doctrine. They don't get off the road. But you know me, I, I get off the road. I climb mountains and swim oceans and whatever the song says. So that's where we go. So dealing with biblical principles, you all come from a different background. But I will tell you there's only one thing that is true, that Jesus is Lord. And outside that, you can take it and put it in the backyard because it really doesn't matter. But sometimes on the Pentecostal side, for those who raise the Assembly of God and Pentecostal holiness and Church of God and Foursquare and all those things, the, the power gifts that we talked about, that, that is the, the creme de creme. If you got the power gifts, you're in. If you got the power gifts, brother, you got, I don't have a tie on. You got a tie on and you, you, are, you are hoeing tall cotton, as my dad said. And then we kind of bursted your bubble a couple of weeks, and we talked about the fruit of the Spirit. And then we talked about the word number nine, nine gifts of the Spirit, nine gifts of the, of the fruit. Number nine is the pregnancy of a woman. And, and this is what I told you before. Anybody should operate in the gifts of the Spirit, they need to be fully, number nine, developed in the fruit of the Spirit. Because if you try to deliver the baby before the ninth month, you will hurt the mother and you will abort the child. So I've always said this, that, if, if you got the life of Christ, let the thing grow and develop before you get hung up on spiritual gifts because you may say or do something that may injure someone else 
And, and I told you a few weeks ago, my goodness, we got in a service one time where somebody was zealous in spiritual gift, but they lacked an intelligence, and they did something and absolutely still left a bad taste in my mouth. So are the New Testament, in the New Testament, is the power gifts, is that the very best indicator of the New Testament church? And the answer is no. For, for you that are in a Pentecostal church and you're visiting here this morning, and had visited here, you would say, well, boy, I don't see a lot of hooping and hollering and running around the building. Wonderful. That's what we're not supposed to do at the moment. School has begun, the bell has rung, and now we're supposed to sit and be good listeners and learners of the Word of Christ. They all have their place. We're, we're not debunking any of the gifts of Spirit. I'm not, because I'm filled with the Spirit, I do all these things, but I'll tell you that there's times and seasons for it all. So the question is, are the power gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 the best indicator for the New Testament church? And it is not. So a few years ago, we talked about this. So, so here we go. Muscle cars. I graduated about 1977. That's when they told me to leave. And in my era, it was called muscle cars. Anybody know what a muscle car is? All right. And they called them muscle cars for a reason. Okay. So you see all these little muscle cars or those little cars running around town like those MG midgets or Although, them are not muscle cars. I got a bigger motor in my weed eater than the sun them guys got, I'll tell you. I saw them down Rod's repair shop swapping out a motor on a weed eater. Muscle cars, they're best known for their motors, not their miles per gallon. All right? So, I want to show you a few, the, the muscle cars. The muscle cars, what we're going to refer to as the power gifts in the New Testament church. And the power gifts we know is the word of wisdom, the word of faith, the work of the mirrors, the gifts of healing, all nine of them. But, but, but I, well, here we go, the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healings, miracles, prophecy, discernment of spirits, diverse tongues, and interpretation of tongues. But I will tell you that that's not the best indicator of the New Testament church. And don't let anybody kid you, because it's not. I'm not telling you they're not operation, but I will tell you these things are as muscle cars, they were best known for the big motors and they can rev up and they can really leave rubber. But as far as the long haul, they wasn't good because they got about five miles a gallon. Maybe. So I want to show you a few cars. Brandon, pay attention. Let's show them, Jordan. 69 Charger. 426. Oh, this is going to get good. A 70 Chevelle, my personal one, 454. A 70 Cuda. Now, see, we can have a revival right here. 426 Hemi. A 65 Catalina 2 plus 2. 421. 69 Mustang Boss, 429. A 70 Superbird. 426. And you see that little thing on the back? What that's designed for is for you to sit on the trunk and put your snacks on the top and eat off the back. <laughs> Anybody ever went to the Skyview? Never mind. Never mind. This is Virgil Gaither's favorite one. <laughs> Him and Gina, they eloped in this. It's a 70 Gremlin. It had a 121 horsepower in it. It took them a day and a half to get to Dallas in that thing. 
Here's one. Here's Danny Divorce driver Ed Carr. I think it's a 29T. I mean, you ought to know. This one didn't even come without reverse. That's why Sherry come along. He's smart. Somebody had to drive the wheel and somebody had to push it in reverse. But all these muscle cars, they was known for their high performance. They was known for their fast motors. And, and, but for your information, these things came without these things from the factory. They came without tier, tilt wheeling, st steering wheels, excuse me, heated anti-fog mirrors. They came without airbags. They came without air conditioning. They came without cruise control. They came without DV players. They came without GPS systems. They came without power windows or power locks. They came without heated seats, without heated steering wheels. They came without voice-activated auto starts. They came without self-parking features. They came without voice command system. They came out with, didn't come out with child safety restraints. They didn't come out with lighted interior mirrors. And for goodness sake, there wasn't a cup holder in that car. The cup holder was between your legs. Unless you had somebody riding with you. Some of them didn't even come with seat belts. How did we ever survive? So you see these cars, these muscle cars that we got a lot of hoop and holler at them, they were known for their motors, but as far as amenities, they didn't have them. All we were interested in Zoom and, and revving them up and laying rubber and pulling up a stop sign and vroom, vroom, vroom. no air conditioners, no seat belt, no heated seats, no nothing. And the guy next to you, you know, that's really something, but none of them came standard with any of these amenities. Now, I don't know about you, but I kind of like the older I get, I like heated seats. I like lighted makeup mirrors, you know. I like power steering. I like power windows. You remember the days when we wanted to roll, talk to somebody, you had to reach way over there, you know, crank it down, crank it up. You understand, some of you don't know. What's he talking about? Well, never mind. But boy, we had the motors. We could go from point A to point B fast, but after that, there was nothing, no amenities. So is this, it's just the power gifts, is that the best indicator from the New Testament church that we really got them revving up and we can really lay rubber and we can really run around the building? And, and the answer is no. So what is the best indicator for the New Testament church? And here it is. It's found in Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through 8. It's in the Message Bible, and this is what it says. These are as referred to as the body gifts. So what happens is there are the gifts of the Spirit. There's the fruit of the Spirit, not fruits, fruit of the Spirit. And then there are the body gifts. And I'm telling you, the gifts of the Spirit are in great operation. They're needed when we need them. The fruit of the Spirit is very important. The work called Carphos because it's developing in my life. You can't get it by just coming to an altar. It's a process of growth, maturity. But the body gifts is the best indicator of what the new church and the church should be. Watch this. So let's go ahead and let's be what we were made to be without endlessly or privately comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something that we're not. 
If you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, just stick to your teaching. If you give encouragement and guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. Now, I know you think I wrote this up, but I did not. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. Now, we're not going to, but if you want to read the King James, just knock yourself out. But I will tell you, he said, listen, this is, this is what you've been called to do. If you've been called to preach, just preach the gospel. If you've been called to teach, just stay with what you know. Don't, never build past the foundations of your knowledge of truth. Never build a house past the foundation because it will sag. Just teach what you know. And if all you know is a few verses, just teach those few verses until you expand your growth. And if you want to help somebody, don't get frustrated with them. Love them. The best indicator of the New Testament church, as far as we are concerned, and I'm concerned, is this. It is the body gives in Romans chapter 12, 6 through 8. Salt and light. Influence people. Illuminate people. But Paul said, whatever you do and whatever you're called to do, what's this? Keep a smile on your face. Yes. Turn to two people and just smile at them. Do not growl at them. So lastly this morning, that, that our emphasis should not be on, on power. Our emphasis should be on three things, to be impractical, presentable, and predictable. So here we go. One thing about this church that I want to teach you before I leave here one day is that these three things are so important to be practical. We have a responsibility of what it that you've been called to do it is summed up in these three areas. Number one, just be practical. Being practical means to be useful, to be helpful, to be beneficial. A lot of times, unbelievers, they are not looking for heaven. They're just looking for a little help. Just be practical. Just be practical. This is where salt and earth comes in. You don't have to be spiritual. You don't have to give them some, yea, the Lord said unto me, rise and go forth. You don't have to do that. Just be practical. Just help them a little bit. If things are not good and good, I mean, you don't have to say, well, me and my church family will pray for you. Just put your arm around them because we said that embracing your arm around someone is the best healer in the church. So just be practical with them. Number two, be presentable. I think this church needs to be presentable. Matter of fact, presentable means well-maintained and well-manicured because if we'll be faithful to manicure and maintain the visible, people will be likely to trust us with the invisible. Now think about that. If people that never comes to this church, if the lawn is this high, and there's trash in the parking lot, and, 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 and if the lights are hanging down, and, and all these things, if people drive by that never come here, I've always said this, but I could just drive by your house, and whatever's on the porch, I'm telling you, I, I can give you a prediction what the inside of your house looks like by what's on your porch. Because if your porch is a mess, I got dollars to donuts, your house is not much better. 
And I'll drive by every one of your houses too. <laughs> People that doesn't even, will never even come to this church, watch this. But this is why we keep the lawn mowed. This is why we keep the building painted. This is why we keep the sign not from turning upside down. This is why we keep, there's people, we keep the parking lot picked up because what's this? If people will see that we are faithful to maintain the visible, then maybe they'll trust us with the invisible. That is so important. And I'll tell you right now, that if you drive by here and the trash is, the parking lot's full of trash and the, and the, and the grass is knee high, I'll promise you, ain't nobody going to trust with anything you have to say about the invisible because you're not taking care of the, the visible part. And last one is predictable. We, we need to be practical. I mean, just practical. We talked about it. There are two types of wisdom, practical and speculative. Practical, it deals with Proverbs and Psalms and, and it, who, who to lend money to, who not to lend money to, who not to let you drive their car and all these things. And, but speculative wisdom, I mean, there's a message behind the message, which is Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastics, where we get a word for parabole or parable. He's telling you this is that there's practical things that we can do to influence, to make a difference in people's life. Number two, we can, be, we can just be what we refer to as predictable. And the word predictable means to count on or to plan on. As a matter of fact, it means that we've got to accomplish what we've advertised in the church. Nothing is more damaging than the prediction of a product if it's not being able to perform that promise. Don't make promises you can't keep. Don't just say things because it's convenient to say. We have got to be practical. We have absolutely got to be presentable. But more than anything, people are counting on us to be predictable. They can count on us. If he said it, he'll do it. If he made a promise they're going to do their very best to fulfill that promise. That is the greatest indicator of the New Testament church as far as the Bible is concerned. Big motors, fast motors, and all these things, it's fine and well, but I'll tell you, all they're doing is just wasting gas and blowing a lot of smoke. So there's two things this morning for sure. That when you come into a Bible study such as this, there's two things that we know about the Word of God for sure. Is that you are being informed of the truth, but at the same time, you're being informed by the truth. This is what's going on in this local assembly. That when God's Word is being presented in, in a wonderful, practical presentable and predictable way. That's why it says all through the scripture, he is faithful. God is faithful. Then what happens is, is that we are being informed of the truth, but while we're being informed of the truth, we are being informed by the truth. And we're leaving a mark wherever we go. So listen to this. It's about leaving a mark. Salt and light, making a difference. 
A son took his father to a restaurant to enjoy a delicious dinner. His father was quite old and therefore he was a little weak as well. So while eating their food, occasionally food would fall onto the old man's shirt and his pants. The other guests watched the old man with their faces contorted in disgust, but his son remained calm. After they both finished eating, the son quietly helped the, the elderly father and they took him to the restroom. The son cleaned up the food scraps from the crumpled face and attempted to wash the stains from his father's clothes, graciously combed his hair and put his glasses on him. As they left the bathroom, a deep silence seemed to set into the restaurant and the son was ready to foot the bill but before leaving, a man also, there was an elderly man, got up and asked the old man's son this question. You left something here. The younger man said, no, I didn't leave anything here. The room full of silence, a stranger said to him, You left us all a lesson for every son. And every father. While the whole restaurant was so quiet that you could hear a pin drop. One of the greatest honors that exists is being able to take care of those who have taken care of us as well. Our parents are all those elders who sacrificed their lives and all the time and money and effort for us deserve our utmost respect. And when I read that, it's exactly what the Word of God is telling us. You left something. Oh, I didn't leave anything. Oh, you left something. You left a lesson how to teach us to respect and honor humanity. So we get a little food on our face. So we, we don't look exactly right. But you taught us a lesson here that we'll never forget. Light and salt. And I will tell you, when you leave this place, I don't care what you do here. It's what matters what you do when you leave this place. And I will tell you, People are paying attention how you treat one another. People are paying attention how you respond to one another. And if you love them, Jesus said, all men will know you belong to me because you have loved one for another. So this is your homework this week. Go leave something in the world. Go leave a little salt. Go leave a little light. Go leave a little hope for someone that has lost all hope. And let it be said of the people of God that we are the light of the world and we are the salt of the earth and we're making a difference wherever we go. People are watching. And I want to say you straight up, I'm a better person because of you. I'm a better husband because of this girl. I'm a better father because of these boys. I'm a better pastor because of most of you sheep. <laughs> Father, we love you, and there is none like you. 
We live in a world that absolutely has no respect, not only for you, but regard for one another. But I pray this week that we take this short story to heart. That for those that are hurting and for those that are wounded and those that are struggling, that we would just take the time to be courteous and gentle and helpful. Not because people are watching, because it's just the right thing to do. We are to love one another. We are to honor one another. We are to give respect where respect and honor is due. And I just pray, Father, that as we go and we leave this place, that we'll look for every opportunity to leave behind something that will be embedded, ingrained, and branded into the hearts and minds of people that we're not even aware that are watching. That the kindness of God and the gentleness of God and the temperance of God and all the fruit of the Spirit seems to be embedded and growing and bearing fruit. Let us leave behind something that may be impressionable. Let something be said today that may glorify you and your son. Inform us of the truth, but please form us by your truth that, that we'll be changed when we leave this place. And for those things, we give you thanks. For all that you're doing. In Jesus' name. Stand with me this morning, if you would, please. I watch you. I watch you when you don't think I'm watching you. I'm so thankful for your life. People are watching you when you, you don't even realize it. They're thankful that you left behind a lesson on how to be loving and forgiving a little more patient, a little more kinder. We understand that you're going through some things, so if anybody needs a little bit of gentleness, it, it's you this morning. And I pray this morning, if you feel like this, you're alone. If you lost your way, you have not. And God has got you exactly where he wants you. He just wanted to bring you to a place where it's just all you can just see is Him and feel His presence and sense His aroma. He loves you. He definitely loves you. He just sent me here this morning to remind you He loves you. Every Sunday morning we celebrate Holy Communion with the bread and the cup. All it is is a reminder. It's not a, a formula that we go through. There's no report card. We don't ask you to fill out a membership. We're just telling you this morning, the last thing that Jesus gave us, true commandments, was the bread and the cup. That's it. And he said, as often as you drink this cup and often as you partake of this bread, it will remind you of me. So if our communion servers will make their, this, their way 
to the front this morning. As Ron began this morning, he reminded us so clearly and vividly that it's just really about him today. Ron reminded us that on the local news, there's nothing that's very positive, that's very encouraging. But I've got some news for you today. God is in love with you. And He has sent His Son to be the Redeemer of all mankind that He could spend eternity with you. And for that, I'm thankful. Jesus left behind something. You can't help but to read the Gospels that Jesus left behind something. He becomes a friend to the friendless. He become hope to the hopeless. He become guidance to those that were lost. Oh, he left behind something. And so should we. So if you're here this morning and you need to have a relationship with Christ, maybe you need healing in your body, maybe... Maybe you need healing in your mind. I, I don't have all the answers, but I know that he does. This is where we begin is through the, the cup and the, and the bread this morning. Just coming to Jesus. He sat down with his disciples. He said, for 1,500 years, you've been celebrating the ordinance of the Passover sacrifice. They would take the bread, the unleavened bread, and they would eat it in haste on their way out and but Jesus said, I am the bread of life that, that falls from heaven. In John 6, and he said, Whosoever eat of me shall never hunger again. And then he took the cup and he said, For 1,500 years you've been celebrating the, the Lamb's blood that was taken and placed in the shape of a cross over the door. But he said in John chapter 1, verse 29, I am the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And my blood will be taken and placed in the shape of a cross for the forgiveness of sins. That's good news. So, Father, this morning for everyone that's hurting and weary and worn out, diseased and disgusted, lost and lonely, thank you for never giving up on us. We celebrate Holy Communion with an honor and privilege. In Jesus' name, amen.